0: The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. When and how wars are declared, Colin Cullis. I'm not too sure how we turn this into business unusual, although wars are over resources, over land, over all of the things that we fight about as humanity all the time anyway. So I guess it is business unusual, isn't it?
1: It is, Bruce. And uh, along with the end of the iPod, uh, increasing inflation rates, stock market all over the show changes and challenges to supply chains because of covid i mean you you really can't just about everything is unusual at the moment so effectively this lot might be easier just to do the things that are usual which would be a a pleasant change Uh, but the reason i i came upon this one is uh, about a week and a half ago some people were quoting intelligence agents, community, I'm not quite sure what the correct way you should refer to people who operate behind the scenes like this, Uh, mostly from the UK and the US, that expected that uh, when Vladimir Putin was due to uh, speak at the May 9 military celebration that Russia has for the end of the Second World War and the defeating of the Nazis, uh, that he would use that occasion to say that Russia will declare war on the Ukraine. And I thought that was very strange because... This was the man who had gone to great lengths to ensure that a law was introduced that should anybody call it anything other than a special military operation, you could face up to 15 years in jail. And so why on earth would he want then to, after trying as best he can and and certainly from the the Russian uh, coverage of the conflict, the war, uh, to not call it a war, he would now want to change his mind. And it kind of seems to relate, as best as I can tell, relates to just before the invasion took place on the 24th, on the 22nd, after uh, that decree was uh, offered to allow for the two regions to declare their independence and for Russia to recognize them, that the Russian parliament had given uh, him permission to use military uh, operations outside of Russia. So effectively, he needed the parliament to, to ratify the actions that he was doing, something that many governments around the world require uh, as, a, as a fail-safe to not just have one crazy ruler who decides, I don't like somebody, and then start a war. Um, but the challenge now, given that this particular conflict has dragged on longer than I think he would have wanted or expected, it was supposed to be this sort of super quick thing and all done and dusted by the the ninth, that because it wasn't, and it didn't look like it's going to be concluded anytime soon, that he'd need to, one, give the soldiers who are currently fighting a bit of a break, as well as to Replace effectively the ones that got injured or captured or killed uh, with some more soldiers, uh, and that would probably require him to be able to move soldiers from other parts of Russia, or move them in from other the uh, parts of the Federation. And also, um, many armies uh, will have um, reserves, not rather than all standing army, you know all hundred percent employed to go and fight. They will be part of the regular population, but can be called upon when needed, like in times of war, to defend the country or, or intervene as needed. So. His declaration of war would allow him to say, I can now uh, get those extra troops. I can now switch government spending to require industries, manufacturing, food producers, etc., to shift production and, and make more stuff available to them and then proceed with with finishing off what he supposedly started. Um, and that got me then thinking, "Hmm, why don't you often hear about declarations of war? Because I thought they were declarations of war. I mean, there's no shortage when you look at marketing stuff. There's always a war on this or a war on that, and everybody's declaring <laughs> war on everything. But I kind of wondered, well, maybe it's a formality in political or, you know, government terms that they happen in the background, but nobody really cares about it because, of course, they declared war. And I found out I was wrong. In fact, let me play you this little clip, which I'm sure you'd recognize,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for a bit of context. I am speaking to you huh? from the cabinet room at 10 Downing Street. This morning... The British ambassador in Berlin handed the German government a final note stating that unless we heard from them by eleven o'clock that they were prepared at once to withdraw their troops from Poland, a state of war would exist between us. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently This country is at war with Germany.
0: That's September, nineteen thirty-nine, Neville Chamberlain. Have you seen um, Robert Harris wrote a fabulous book called Munich, and it's very dense and very detailed, and it turned into into a a, a movie, which was on Netflix fairly recently, um, and it was about the run up to World War uh, World War Two and just the astonishing amount of toing and froing that happened. And uh, you know, wars don't get declared like that anymore. There were real efforts to avoid it, but Hitler was hell bent on war. So he was going for it and didn't believe that the West would stand up to him, and they did. And the rest, as they say, is history. But astonishing, isn't
1: it? It is, and, and, and that maybe was one of the last times that war was declared quite so clearly. publicly and, and clearly. Um, and, and there are two kind of reasons for it. Uh, one relates to the fact that after the war we had the United Nations, and I'll touch on their role in it. But going back more historically, it's that, um, well, for for the longest time we never lived in this instant news cycle, where just because something happened, you'd basically appear on Twitter or broadcast on the news or a 24-hour news channel seconds later. It actually took a while. And so when you had uh, warring countries, their political leaders, their kings, whoever it was, heads of state, who had a hump with probably some relative back in the old days and a little closer, probably somebody that they still kind of knew kind of well, um, it was kind of hard to inform your citizens to say, listen, <coughs> if you uh, were a, a reservist, uh, we need you please to come to whatever the capital city or the the, the closest port to where this war might be uh, uh, waged from uh, to go and uh, sign on. And for those who were manufacturing arms or, or producing food to say, right, everybody, uh, time to uh, knuckle down and, and get us some stuff. We need this kind of quickly. Th- that's not to say that obviously ahead of the war being declared, those political heads would say, listen, how much food have we got? How much weapons have we got? How many soldiers do we have? But at the point of it actually being declared, it would it would still take a little bit of effort. Uh, to actually get everybody to know that was going on. And at the same time, uh, you'd kind of need to let the other side know uh, that there is a war actually happening because there was trade and there was travel happening. And so you need to get your own citizens back before they wind up uh, you know being included in in the casualties of those wars. Um, and just quite honestly, you know the citizens living in the countryside, if some soldiers from your army came walking marching through, they wouldn't necessarily know who they were and might run away or, or want to take up arms themselves or, or or know to defend themselves because they see another column. Uh, marching from the other direction. So there was a very useful reason for it in sort of really 200 years plus and, 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 you know, way, way back. Then more contemporary, sort of certainly when all the colonization was going on, uh, and Europe was, was looking to not fight with its, each other quite as often as they were fighting with other countries and then with each other when they would taken over those other countries uh, because the the notions of the implication of fighting against a country when that country had uh, a potential, a peace pact with another country, started getting very complicated. Um, and I was recently listening to some of the... Um, Coverage a wonderful podcast covering South African history and we're talking about uh, the, the, the troubles that the, the British were trying to do in looking after parts of the Eastern Cape. Uh, and weren't really putting much effort into it simply because Napoleon was causing a lot more drama for the actual English over in Europe. Uh, and so it was left to whoever was here in South Africa to do whatever they could. Um, and that kind of was a, a real challenge for, for people back then. And, and why still, you know, you'd, you'd have to think twice before declaring a war, because once everybody knows you've declared a war against this lot... Uh, the other crowd would then want to, to move in on you. But then the sh- big shift happens with the with United Nations. Now you don't just declare war in another nation and off you go, or only your friends are going to come and help. You actually have to have the United Nations agree that your war was justified. And that's the supposed casus belli, a Latin term meaning the, the the objective of the war, the, the thing that provoked it, the, the action that took place that would justify it. So in Ukraine's case, they could go to the United Nations and say, Russia uh, invaded our borders, and on that basis, we feel we are uh, entitled to take up arms and defend ourselves. We're at war with Russia for this reason. And the United Nations, as they have, i 93 countries, I think, agreed that Russia was not justified in doing what it did, and so it should withdraw. But because Russia didn't actually declare war, um, they kind of skirt the the edges and said, well, we haven't actually declared war, we're doing this special operation. And and you know, as as funny as that is, the, the crowd who have tended to do that more often One, the UK, who I just gave you a little snippet of there, because the last time they actually declared war was in the Second World War. And the US, who I would have thought, man, they must have declared war a lot because they're basically the world's policemen. They're constantly having to go and intervene, whether asked or not to, in a whole bunch of wars. Um, And so you would have thought, Vietnam, well, they definitely must have declared war there. Nope. Uh, Maybe in Iraq, there was the war on terror. So they have to have gone and declared war in Iraq. They definitely went to the UN and said, look, we found all these weapons of mass destruction, which wasn't there. Um, and again, the U.N. said, no, nope, you haven't justified it. And so they effectively did go and illegally invade a country, but they never declared war. Uh, America's political uh, legal system requires Congress to approve the president's use of military force outside of the country and inside the country, for that matter. Uh, but it doesn't have to require an act of war to be declared in order to do so. And so now we come to this sort of strange thing where effectively no one will declare war because the, 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 the implications of declaring war are much worse than the notions of just sort of fudging and saying, I'm not doing anything. So when countries want to go and intervene in Syria, they're kind of not fighting a war against Syria, even though effectively they were. They were assisting, certainly the crowd, well, depending on which country it was, Russia was assisting the uh, Assad regime, America, Turkey, others were were assisting those who who were fighting against it. But but by declaring wars, you sort of trigger those other arrangements and other agreements. So yes, that is the aha moment that I am doubtful that, Vladimir Putin would want to declare war because a country like South Africa, China, India, who's currently neutral, on the basis that Russia says I'm not fighting a war with Ukraine. I'm there to protect those people who declare themselves as aligned to Russia and to get rid of the Nazis, for <laughs> heaven's sakes. And so, on that basis, I, I can't see it actually <laughs> happening, nor that very many countries will, will bother doing so anymore. And and the business angle I attach to this, even though it's a lot less serious, is that things like climate change and and you know global sort of trade agreements are, are effectively the UN these days. That, that regulates how businesses may operate, how bodies may operate and, and what, what is acceptable for them to do and not do. And so generally when when one region takes a position about something like Europe is taking or has taken positions about privacy. You see the rest of the world sort of start coming into, in, 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 into alignment with it. Uh, Australia famously got Facebook and Google to pay for journalism. The rest of us are still waiting for the for that little uh, thing to follow through. Uh, but it is having an impact for, for where those things go. It just means that despite all those times that people are going to tell you declaring war on waste or terror or drugs or whatever the next thing is, they're actually not declaring war anymore. And, and if there is a tiny, 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 small silver lining, we're tending to declare more peace these days. With the most amazing one I managed to come across, that the mayors of Athens and Sparta in 1996, a full 2,399 <laughs> years after the big Athens versus Sparta <laughs> Peloponnesian <laughs> war of 28 years, they signed a peace pact. <laughs> not, not a big deal. Effectively, they neighbours. They're just you know twenty minutes from each other by train or something, but kind of nice that they did that anyway. Yeah. So I'm hoping that in the future we'll have a lot more of those. And, and no more declarations
0: of war. Exactly. I mean, the symbolism of it is. But just listening to the way in which countries are avoiding declaring war upon one another so that it doesn't trigger any sort of massive global conflagration. It, it feels like, you know, doing deals with some businesses. You know, you go into a business um, and you try to return something you bought and they're looking for the loopholes. And you know, countries look for loopholes as well, as it turns out, in international law. Thank you, Colin Cullis. Business Unusual here on The Money Show on a Wednesday night.